was a Bitcoin. up bitcoiners your boy has just been banging out podcast after podcast this is my third podcast of the day and you are going to be listening to it in a little bit but y'all this is a great conversation dave bradley dave is a bitcoin og a bitcoin og entrepreneur a co-founder of bull bitcoins and bitcoin brains which came before it and now he's at a company called bitcoin well and they are a publicly traded company in Canada that is all about making Bitcoin as accessible as possible. They have white glove over-the-counter Bitcoin services where grandmas come in and learn about how to take self-custody of their Bitcoin. They have Bitcoin ATMs across Canada. They're creating Bitcoin ATM software that goes into like traditional normal ATMs and turns them into Bitcoin ATMs. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. They have a wallet. They bought Rise Wallet. I'm sure lots of you have heard of them. So they're doing tons and tons of stuff in the, the Canadian Bitcoin market. And again, really interesting company. And again, Dave is a Bitcoin entrepreneur from early, early Bitcoin days. So he has seen Bitcoin evolve since 2010, which is absolutely incredible. That is enough for me. Let's just get into this podcast with Dave Bradley. <laughs> Bitcoiners, I am sitting across from a Bitcoin OG and someone who's been building in Bitcoin for as long as you can be building in Bitcoin. Dave Bradley from Bitcoin Well and, you know, formerly from Bull Bitcoin and Satoshi Portal and a ton of other great names in the OG Bitcoin space. Dave, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Thanks for having me. So I guess, Dave, for those who are unfamiliar with you, I think that there's a lot of newbies who may not know about like your lineage. Why don't you kind of just talk about, you know, getting into Bitcoin, you know, start being an entrepreneur in Bitcoin and, you know, what's the impetus for now, you know, building out Bitcoin well? Sure. I, uh, I got into Bitcoin um, late 2010, um, right around the time that GPU mining became a thing. And I was uh, mining in my basement uh, with a single gaming computer. And then uh, turning around and selling the Bitcoins that I mined on uh, local Bitcoins. And uh, that was right around the time there was a big price bump, I want to say to like 14 bucks. And so my first, uh, my first GPU that I bought for mining uh, had paid for itself in, you know, two weeks or something like that. And I was like, well, this is pretty good. Um, back then I was looking at it as like a lot of people who get into Bitcoin, uh, just a way to make some more, more dollars, you know, more fiat. And uh, I didn't see it as like <clears throat> the world changing technology that I think most of us see it as now. But uh, that's kind of where I got my start. And then, uh, you know, I was, I think, the only one in my city for sure, probably my, my region of the country selling Bitcoin. And uh, it got to the point where I was meeting people at a coffee shop a couple times a day, uh, taking cash for Bitcoin. And the coffee shop probably thought I was a drug dealer. So I, uh, I was like, you know what, like, it's time to make this into a real business. <clears throat> that was uh, that was 2013 when uh, we founded Bitcoin Brains, which was my first Bitcoin business. It was uh, a brick and mortar store where we sold Bitcoins, uh, we sold mining equipment and uh, just about anything else we could get our hands on uh, related to Bitcoin. Um, 
I think that was probably the first in the world in terms of a brick and mortar store actually selling this kind of stuff. It's the first I'd ever heard of anyway. So uh, fast forward a couple of years, we sold that physical store to uh, one of our one of our competitors and uh, moved on from that. But we kept the Bitcoin brokerage going. So we're still buying and selling Bitcoins. And uh, then uh, kept running that for a couple of years. And then 2018 came along and I had been talking with uh, with my co-founder, Francis, at Bull Bitcoin for a long time. And we've been doing business together for years. And we decided that we would merge our two businesses to create uh, what is now Bull Bitcoin, my, my Bitcoin brains and his Satoshi portal. And uh, that's where the brainchild for uh, Bull Bitcoin came from. And that was very much in the line of what you're talking about. You know, Bitcoin only, Bitcoin maximalist, non-custodial, proudly Canadian. And then uh, after that, um, I left Bull Bitcoin at the start of 2020 to form a company making software for Bitcoin ATMs called Ghost Lab. And that kind of got me sucked into uh, Bitcoin well through a partnership with uh, the, the founder, Adam O'Brien, that I, I work with now. And that's where I'm at now is trying to make Bitcoin more accessible as many ways as possible. Awesome. Uh, and I guess if you could break down like uh, Bitcoin, well, you know, y'all do a wide variety of different services in Canada, including hosting ATMs, uh, providing ATMs, selling Bitcoin, enabling people to have like a Bitcoin savings plan. Can you talk about, you know, all the different kind of like features uh, in, in, in things that are available on there? Yeah. So we've got, we've got a lot going. Um, the core of the business is the Bitcoin ATMs and that's, pretty much an on-ramp where people can buy Bitcoin with cash. That's a pretty simple business, but that's where we make most of our money. Um, the next side that's been really taken off this year is kind of our white glove service, which is the over-the-counter in-person service. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of new people getting into the space. We're seeing a lot of older demographic than we've seen in the past deciding to get into Bitcoin. Um, those are the people with money in the bank, and those are the people that are getting hit the hardest by this money printing. So we're, we're seeing a lot of people you know, putting some of that nest egg into Bitcoin to hide from inflation. So that part of the business has been taking off. Um, most of what we do right now is sort of that on and off ramp stuff. So we have different ways to do that. We have uh, a wallet app called, uh, right now it's called Rise Wallet. It's a company that we purchased uh, two years ago that also has a gift card component. So you can go to a store, uh, buy like a $100 gift card, load it into your wallet. And you get the Bitcoin at the time that you load the load the card. So just another uh, another on-ramp. <clears throat> what we're starting to work on next, um, both to build into the wallet and to the website, are uh, ways to actually interact with the way that people use Bitcoin. So we can get them get them the Bitcoin, get them into the wallet, get them uh, self-custodying their own coins. But then, uh, you know, if they want to go and use that, we want to expand that usability all in the same wallet. So. We've got uh, the ability to buy gift cards like some other services have out there. We've got the ability to pay uh, utility bills, um, phone bills, whatever. And we're just going to be expanding on those different things that you can use Bitcoin right in the wallet. Awesome. And like the wallet itself is non-custodial. You know, uh, you use non-custodial as part of the marketing. Uh, I have a lot of questions to just ask you about this demographic shift and user shifts. I'm sure the ATMs have, give you a lot of interesting insight. Um, into Bitcoin usage. Um, but let's talk really about like the wallet app, uh, you know, and and I guess like how you're thinking about like creating like this ecosystem that is built on a non-custodial wallet. 
Yeah, non-custodial is very important to us. Um, we don't want to be at risk of holding our customers' Bitcoins. We've seen that go bad uh, countless times. You know, I, I, I don't know how many times it has to go bad before people will finally learn that they shouldn't, uh, shouldn't trust anyone else to hold their keys. So we just saw that with Coinbase recently. We've had a couple of really big hacks like that, uh, the Quadriga debacle in, in Canada here. And I think Canadians, at least, are, are a little spooked from uh, allowing others to hold their Bitcoins. So that's where, uh, where we come in. Our service doesn't rely on our wallet. We can sell people Bitcoins with any wallet, but we do have our own wallet that we recommend and that we're, we're building to be uh, as good as anything in the space, we think. Awesome. And like, I guess, is the wallet like more centered around Canadians or um, like, is this something that is, you know, is kind of interoperable for international people? Yeah, it's, it's completely interoperable. It's just, just another wallet. It's nothing special um, in terms of uh, the actual core features of the wallet. Um, where it is a little bit unique to Canada is we're just putting our payment rails in there so that people can buy Bitcoins right in the wallet. Um, when we first launched that, that'll be Canada only. And right now, those gift cards, we could technically sell them anywhere, but they are only available right now in Canada. So other than that, uh, it, 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 is, uh, it, it is usable anywhere. Awesome. Well, I mean, I didn't even realize that that Bitcoin Well had purchased Rise Wallet. I remember Rise Wallet. You know, I thought the the Bitcoin gift card ideas and you just redeem it on non custodial wallet was a really awesome idea. Um, so I guess just kind of going to ATMs. I know you are actually at an ATM conference right now. You know, trying to orange pill as many of these ATM providers as possible. Like, what is the uh, you know, what's the landscape like in, ET in ATMs these days? Like, what kind of insight do you have around, like, Bitcoin usage? Uh, because I, I feel like the people who don't have bank accounts that are unbanked, those are the most likely people to actually use a Bitcoin ATM uh, because they can't get access to Bitcoin in another way. Yeah, absolutely. It really taps into the cash economy. Um, we find that a lot of the time people who are using our ATMs, and granted, we don't, we don't talk to them most of the time because they're at an automatic machine, but... When we do talk to them, we find a lot of really niche use cases. Sometimes we find that people are basically using Bitcoin as a payment tool in a lot of these cases. So an example of that was we had, and this, this, this was actually in our office rather than our ATMs, but I think the story applies is we had uh, a whole high school class come in and they all had to buy uh, $500 worth of Bitcoin because they were going on a class trip to Mexico and the tour operator where they were going uh, normally would take deposits with a credit card. And, uh, you know, kids would drop out, parents would say, you're not going to go. And then they would charge back the uh, charge back the card. And in that case, what was the point of really even having a deposit? Right. So the tour operator was in no position to fight with Visa or MasterCard being a small tour operator. And so they basically said, you know what, screw it. Like, let's go Bitcoin only. And uh, those payments will be irreversible. So that's like one little niche case where Bitcoin serves these areas um, where the traditional payments uh, systems are not working very well, and uh, that that drives a lot of the uh, a lot of the usage at the ATMs. And then, as you said, yeah, like the underbanked, the unbanked people who deal in the cash economy. I feel like there's a lot to be learned, maybe not about like interviewing the users, but based on like which neighborhoods the ATMs end up, end up like kind of like seeing the most business or getting the most traction. Um, can you talk a little bit about you have ATMs across Canada? Um, do you have any insights kind of about, again, Bitcoin usage amongst, you know, maybe people who 
uh, tend to not have bank account tend to be unbanked or underbanked? Um, you know, we don't really see strong trends by demographics. We tried tracking that stuff, thinking there should be some some data in there for us. But really, um, what we find makes a good uh, Bitcoin ATM location is more to do with access than the the uh, you know the the neighborhood. So if you have long hours in the store and it's easy to get in there and it's clean and it feels safe, then those are going to be the ones that that do well. Uh, and those that'll happen in any any kind of area. Gotcha. Um, what else can you talk about, like with uh, with ATM users or or kind of trends of, of like Bitcoin users? Um, I mean, we're seeing a massive explosion in terms of users. We just had some research done from Ipsos, uh, and I want to say it was fourteen percent of Canadians now own or have owned Bitcoin. So we're seeing a massive increase from the last time numbers came out about that was a study from the Bank of Canada in two thousand eighteen, which I think it was 5%. So we're getting a lot more adoption broadly. And uh, in terms of the ATM space, you know, I think there's now maybe 28,000 Bitcoin ATMs in the world. And uh, probably about half of those were deployed in 2021. So they're exploding, especially across North America. You know, the US and Canada are, are by far leading the way for Bitcoin ATM deployment. But as a whole, the industry is growing extremely, extremely fast. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the conference that you're at? You said it's an ATM industry show, but it's like half Bitcoin. Like what, what's that like? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's, uh, it's a traditional ATM conference. So it's, you know, all these companies, Triton and Hyosung and these people that have been operating regular cash ATMs for decades. And they're kind of like a little, they're, they're a fairly small community. They all seem to know each other, but now, uh, the Bitcoin people are getting in here and, you know, you've got. A bunch of Bitcoin ATM operators with booths here. You've got companies making software uh, to run uh, like Bitcoin ATM-like features on a on a traditional ATM, and all kinds of uh, you know. I I spoke with a guy yesterday that I had never met who has his company has installed uh, more than fifty percent of all the Bitcoin ATMs in North America. So uh, the Bitcoin space is very much creeping into the traditional ATM space, and they're becoming sort of one large. ATM space. It makes sense. Bitcoin is digital cash. ATMs are automatic cash machines. Like, uh, I don't know if you uh, are a Bitcoin Tina fan, but one of his fa- one of his quotes that's one of my favorites is Bitcoin's like water. It can't stop it and it gets everywhere. And the ATM space is definitely uh, a some low hanging fruit for digital cash. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Like, is there like a, a pretty big embrace? Like how long do you think until like that conference is a hundred percent Bitcoin ATM conference? Like something like that merges that it's like Bitcoin and cash. That's the whole point of, of uh, ATMs. Yeah, I, I think we're going to get there pretty soon with a lot of these uh, software solutions and whatnot. I think it's going to become, uh, it's going to be, we're, we're going to get to a point where every ATM in the world can sell Bitcoin at some point fairly soon. When, when does like a Chase ATM or Wells Fargo ATM just say, fuck it, we're going to do it? Like, does that happen in the next yeah. couple of years? Like they're already making their nine egg partnerships and when, whatever, you know, all the news companies flash in the headlines. Yeah, that, that's a tougher one. Um, when I say that I think that you're going to be able to buy it at every ATM in the world, I mean every independent ATM. Um, those bank ATMs, it's kind of a weird spot for the banks because they obviously want to get in on the industry. They see the hype. They want to collect some fees. 
And uh, their instinct, though, is to wall everything off and control everything, right? So whereas we, we perform a lot of the same services as a bank in, in terms of, uh, you know, allowing people to move money around and, and helping people out like that, uh, we don't wall anyone in. So people can use our wallet. They can use a different wallet. Um, we don't want to hold those coins. And I think the banks are going to take the opposite approach, uh, which is to, you know, sell people Bitcoin, which is really just probably synthetic exposure to the price of Bitcoin with an IOU to the bank. And whether or not the banks actually hold that Bitcoin or not, who knows? And whether or not the banks can keep that Bitcoin safe is a whole other question. So I, I wouldn't see the big banks jumping in um, to the business of buying and selling Bitcoin, actual Bitcoin, anytime soon. Okay. I mean, like you, you probably have a better vantage point than I do. I definitely believe the hype. I think that they're going to have no choice from a competitive perspective to jump in. And like we've seen even Robinhood, like I don't know if their plan was always to build a wallet or if they're bending the knee now, but their CTO of crypto is like a Bitcoin technician, like a true, like someone who actually knows like the tech around this and other blockchains. And, um, you know, they're, they're building a, an actual wallet within Robinhood. So, you know, we have seen like, you know, it seems like PayPal is like posturing as if they're, they're doing the same. So it's, it seems as though like the, the withdraw feature at least is becoming something that's kind of like a, an industry standard, which definitely makes me feel good, but we'll see how, we'll see how things go um, for sure. Um, so I guess I'm kind of curious, like one of the biggest criticisms on the Bitcoin ATMs and some of these like more P2P solutions is like how much more like expensive it is than, you know, just going to your strike app or, you know, your cash app or something like that. Can you talk about like the development of the space and like, will be like, I understand why people pay the fees again, if they only have cash, like they have no choice, but I'm kind of curious, like what's the development of the fees for uh, Bitcoin ATMs? Yeah, we, we've played with the fees a lot. Um, we haven't found that the users are very price sensitive at the moment. Um, most of the time, it's basically a convenience service. You know, they're either, either, like you said, they only have cash. And so that's their only way in or uh, they are uh, just willing to pay a little bit more because, uh, you know, it's, it's fast and it's easy. You get your Bitcoins immediately as compared to pretty much any other service. You know, there's almost always at least some kind of a wait time to sign up or, or get approved or, uh, or, or make your payment. Um, so I think in the long term, we're probably going to see a lot more fee pressure. And part of the reason for that is because of that software that, um, <clears throat> that I was talking about right now. Um, deploying Bitcoin ATMs is very capital intensive. Like you need to, you need to buy dedicated hardware for each unit, right? So if we could just deploy uh, the ability to, to sell Bitcoins onto a traditional ATM, um, we can do that in a way that does not require a massive capital outlay. And that, that I think will allow for uh, tightening of the fees across the board. Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. 
Don't want to get off your couch though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout. All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all, I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% US on USDC deposits. I mean, I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in, they leverage it up, and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoiners like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io, that is L-E-D-N.io, and learn more. Is that something that Bitcoin Well is working on as well? I know that there are companies trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we uh, what I, I mentioned is uh, I, myself and my co-founder, Adam, uh, started a, a software company called Ghost Lab. And that, that company is primarily to make better software for Bitcoin ATMs. But one of the other goals is to get that software also onto traditional ATMs. So we've got a small pilot project uh, running right now where we've got, I think, about 35 uh, units deployed with a, a local Edmonton-based ATM operator and it's running Bitcoin on there and uh, has been working well since the start of the year. So uh, we're definitely working on that. We're not the only ones working on that. And uh, I think that's going to take off quite significantly in the next couple of years. I mean, that in terms of like Bitcoin integrating with cash and cash users, I feel like that can't, that's like the most bullish development, right? Is every ATM in the first world, you know, has Bitcoin, every independent ATM, um, you know, it just like, how, how can any company compete with that? Right. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. The, the more uh, different on-ramps people have, I think the, the more competitive the fee environment will get and the more, uh, the, the more flexible it'll be for people to put their money into Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, what, I guess, where do you see the future there? Right. Is it like 
you know, I mean, ultimately Bitcoin integrates with everything. Everyone has a wallet, everyone gets paid in Bitcoin. Then like, obviously on onboarding into Bitcoin isn't probably going to be super cheap, but um, you know, what, what's that next like big step? Yeah, I, I think there, the big step that you're talking about eventually is we put ourselves out of business, right? Because nobody, nobody has any more dollars, <laughs> but uh, in the, in the meantime, um, we're basically just working to build as many different ways as we can for people to get that money into Bitcoin. So that's kind of the, the, the transition process. The next step after that, I think is that usability piece. So the more ways that we can make it easy to use Bitcoin right from your wallet, and it's got to it's got to compete on user experience with like your traditional online banking, which, you know, for for the average transaction, if you want to use your online banking, if you want to pay with your with your credit card or Apple Pay or whatever, like those transactions are pretty good. Right? The, the user experience is pretty good. And for Bitcoin to win, for Bitcoin to get to that point where it's a real medium of exchange, it's got to be at least as good as those methods. I mean, I feel like. It, the, right now, Bitcoin is kind of like the ecosystem in terms of usability is a little bit of like DIY, like it's almost like a coupon cutter strategy, where it's like, hey, you get all this back if you use this, or if you buy this, or you put your bank deposit into here, and then, you know, buy with this. So I feel like just the more streamlined it gets, and the easier it gets, and the more just like one hub for finance um the ux has become it's going to be a big deal you know and that's what's going to help a lot of people start banking on bitcoin but like you already see the strategy it's like coming together and um you know i'm, I'm pretty confident that bitcoin will offer a superior kind of banking and finance experience for the average person like pretty quickly yeah i think we're just getting to the point where um we're getting some serious attention right across the space put into product and put into the, the UX and the delivery and all of that good stuff that we didn't really see. You know, what we saw for the first like five to 10 years of Bitcoin development, a lot of that stuff was sort of software built by nerds for nerds, which worked great, but wasn't really that accessible for uh, your grandma. So talking about grandma, you mentioned that you're seeing a lot more of an older demographic kind of come in. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they prefer prefer to interact with uh, your services. Can you talk a little bit about the older demographic, like from a Bitcoin magazine perspective, just to add like our experience to this, um, we put out an educational course um, that was like kind of intended and written by a Zoomer, a younger person about like, what is Bitcoin? And a very large percentage of the users identified as uh, being, you know, older generation boomers, stuff like that, people interested in learning about Bitcoin. Uh, so uh, we've definitely seen a very big uptick from boomers, uh, people who are worried about inflation, you know, they're been hearing about Bitcoin. Um, so I'm kind of curious what your experience has been. Yeah, I think um, as the general awareness that, um, you know, we can't just print money forever grows. Like I think, I have these conversations all the time and it's very common that uh, when I bring that up, everyone agrees, right? Everyone agrees that money printing is out of control. Everyone agrees that inflation is not really two or 3%. And <clears throat> people, uh, people understand that side of things, but they don't necessarily immediately grasp how Bitcoin can, uh, can help them hide from that. 
And so that's sort of where we're coming in is we've got this, we call it our white glove service, which is, you know, we've, we've got offices in Calgary and Edmonton. Um, somebody can come in and actually sit down with one of our experts and they'll walk them through uh, an in-person setup of a hardware wallet uh, or, or a mobile wallet or whatever it is more appropriate for them and just sort of get them started, sell them their first Bitcoins and uh, get them on their way. And we're seeing a lot, um, you know, that 50 to 75 year old demographic. But the other thing that I've noticed is we're seeing a lot of people from rural areas. So we're seeing a lot of farmers and um, ranchers and, and whatnot. Um, these are people who probably have a little bit more distrust for the government uh, to begin with. And they're probably a little bit more comfortable with like the cash under the mattress um, versus, you know, having all your money in the bank. So that's uh, where we're seeing a big uptick, I think. And that's probably accounting for a pretty significant portion of our actual total sales at this point. That's interesting. So like, you know, again, you've been in Bitcoin since you said 2010, right? So, um, you know, you've seen like the evolution almost from like cypherpunk to like hardcore libertarians to like, you know, intellectuals and farmers and, you know, all kinds of people now that are starting to like grasp onto the Bitcoin narrative. Uh, can you just kind of walk through that journey and like what that has, you know, what that's been like? Yeah. I mean, when we opened that first store in 2013, it was 95, maybe 98% men that would come into our store. Uh, pretty much all um, like 40 and under um, and pretty similar personality types, you know, Lot, lots of lots of nerdy guys coming in buying Bitcoin early on there. So we've seen um, that evolve most notably, you know, we're, we're still uh, overrepresented with men in the space comparatively, but I think our, I think we're getting close to, we're, we're probably in the, in the range of about 60, 40 uh, in terms of our, our customer base at this point. And I think that was, I'll, I'll have to, I know we, we've got a blog post that came out recently um, about that research that we had done from Ipsos and it's got some, some stats in there. So uh, that'd be worth checking out. Um, so that's been one big change. And then, yeah, we've, we've started to see a lot more, um, blue collar people getting in a lot more, uh, older people getting in and, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where it's like, there isn't really a, uh, a, a fixed Bitcoin demographic anymore. It's we're, we're getting pretty, <clears throat> pretty much everyone. I mean, Bitcoin is money and Bitcoin is for everyone. We've been saying this for a long time. So um, it's it's nice to see that, you know, start to become more and more confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that everyone has an interest in. Everyone likes money. Everyone needs money. And money is the context of how we, we interact with each other. And once people realize that it's the best money available, everyone needs Bitcoin. So, I mean, like, Talk to me a little bit more about like Bitcoin price. Like, again, you've seen the price do a lot of things. Like it's been acting very volatile as of recent and just like chopping around. Um, and I know the traders love that, but like, you know, people are saying this is a bull market. I think, you know, most Bitcoiners will 100% say it's a bull market. I would definitely say so. But like, yeah, so what does that mean to you? Like, is Bitcoin, you know, is Bitcoin a legitimate asset? Are we going to continue to see these kind of like, you know, four-year cycles? Like, what, what, what are you seeing here? You know, I get, I get asked about price a lot. Um, and, 
I'm kind of numb to it at this point. Like I don't really check it on a daily basis anymore. Um, I used to be, you know, glued to my phone, watching it for, for years, trying to calculate, you know, how much money I had made or lost in this, this swing. Right. But uh, I've stopped doing that quite a while ago. And uh, you know, <clears throat> in terms of predicting where the price is going to go, um, my best guesses at predicting price have always been to go against what the prevailing logic is. So if, if everybody that I know thinks it's going up, then I think it's probably going down. <laughs> That's usually my, my take. Um, but you can, you can almost feel it when you're doing, uh, when you're doing brokerage because you end up getting, uh, when we're nearing a top, all of the smartest people come in and sell. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, the people that are, are buying at that price are the people who are really buying on FOMO and hype. And you can kind of, you can kind of feel, these are the people where like, you know, they're, you, you set an appointment for them for noon and they're like, can I come in any earlier? I don't want the price to go up any higher kind of thing. They're, they're like panicking to get in this very moment. And uh, so that, that's been my best insight on price, but I don't know, man, like it, it makes a certain degree of sense that we should keep seeing these four year cycles, but we're in a completely different ballpark at this point, right? Like we're the, the actual change in the supply was a lot less from this having than it was from previous havings. And we've got such a broader market, you know, we've got really deep liquid futures. We've got really global markets trading this thing 24 seven in a completely unregulated way. And it's, it's basically the only truly uh, free market commodity in the world. And it's got real price discovery going on in real time. And we see those huge swings. Um, some of that might be manipulation, but that's all part of price discovery. So I think uh, we're probably gonna see uh, a lot of continued volatility for for a while. But the way that I tend to tell people about it is it's like, you know what, like this looks like it's volatile, but in fact, the dollar that we're tracking this against is just as volatile. So if we were tracking Bitcoin versus the price of beef and the dollar versus the price of beef, those graphs are both gonna look pretty crazy. I'm gonna be inspired to look that up. I think trading fee will probably make, make let like make that possible. But yeah, I agree. I agree. It's that's exactly what Bitcoin is. It's this first true true market. And I do agree that as each having will have like less and less impact, but with each having, Bitcoin miners will make more and more money. So um that's a dynamic that people, you know, just tend to uh like to ignore especially in the altcoin space but um uh it really is kind of just this amazing uh set of incentives that um you know magnify themselves yeah absolutely so as like bitcoin becomes a more mature asset as like the ecosystem which is you know growing but stable rather than like you know having with the supply shocks of of the earlier kind of Bitcoin days, um, you know, what, what does that look like? It, you know, I think I spoke to Bitcoin Tina again, not to bring him up again, but we did a show called um, The Hardest Trade. And the idea is like, okay, there's like kind of three scenarios for what Bitcoin price does. You know, this could be a standard bull market, blow up top, prolonged bear market, and then start the cycle again with the next halving. Or, um, Bitcoin never crashes and it just keeps grinding up. Um, and that would be a very difficult trade, but you know, all the holders would win. 
And then the, the last is Bitcoin is just chops, 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 and then reprices and then chops and just stays flat. And he brings up the example of Tesla of being an example of a company that has done that. He's brought up the example, I think Walmart as well, but you know, just flat reprices flat. Um, and there's really never an opportunity to like trade it. You either had it when it repriced or you didn't and that was it. Yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, the meme of like, we'll never see $10,000 sub $10,000 Bitcoin again, right? I think we're going to see more and more of those moments where uh, Bitcoin never goes below a certain floor. And who knows what that floor is right now? <laughs> I mean, okay, 30,000. Yeah, could be. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, it, it's interesting to think about it. I mean, I feel like we could definitely see 40 again. 40 is not that far away. Yeah, <clears throat> I hope so. I, uh, <laughs> I, I find it kind of funny that, you know, all the laser eyes, <clears throat> all the people hoping for the Bitcoin price to go up, uh, to me, those are people who are not all in. You know, those are people who, uh, want to sell their bitcoins for more dollars and uh you know i i want the price to go down so that i can use the dollars that i earn to buy more bitcoins <laughs> no totally and uh it's always painful like i have i i do my stack on the same day every week and like when it's going up you're like oh man i just got so much less bitcoin um and i miss the old days like pre-10k bitcoin was that was that was that felt nice for a while we, there's a lot of buying opportunities in that range. Um, yeah. But, you know, with that being said, Bitcoin's going to go a lot higher. So I'm so happy to buy at these prices. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it's tough. You know, people want those bull market vibes. I think that there's like this, the <laughs> everyone gets a bull market. If you stay in long enough, you get a bull market. So there's definitely that desire. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people hoping for, uh, you know, another sudden like 5x in price. Yo, my fellow Bitcoin lovers, have I got something specifically curated for you. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium markets intelligence newsletter. This isn't some pay group selling buy and sell signals. No, this is a premium Bitcoin analysis led by Dylan LeClaire and his team of analysts. They break down in an easily digestible way what is happening on chain in the derivatives markets and in the greater macro backdrop context for Bitcoin. This newsletter turns volatility into a joke. So hit up members.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code podcast for 30% off the deep dive. That's members.bitcoinmagazine.com promo code podcast for 30% off. Divorce your pay group and learn why Bitcoin is the ultimate asset by Dylan and his team. My fellow plebs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you're a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. Want more off? 
pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. So what you, is there a possibility you think that that, that doesn't happen this winter? Because like I'm, I'm saying that like there's there, there has to be um, some sort of like crazy price action. Uh, I would go back to my my contrarian position and just say that like so many people seem to be sure that that's happening this year that I don't think it's going to happen. But that could secretly be a, a very good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything you want to add to that, Dave? No, I think that's that's it on on price for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is a good place to kind of wrap it, but I'm curious, you know, what would your last word be to the Bitcoin magazine audience? Well, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful to Bitcoin magazine for all that you guys have done in the space. You know, I, I was at the, at the conference in Miami and uh, I've never seen anything like that. You know, it's surreal to go from like this tiny little, niche project in 2010 where i'm meeting people in a coffee shop and there's all of eight people in the city that are trading with me and then now we see this massive you know i don't know how many tens of thousands of people were at that conference but it's just a surreal difference so uh thank you guys very much for everything you do in the space as well well that means a lot i mean yeah the, the bitcoin conference you know we're trying to do the pilgrimage of bitcoin so that's that's kind of our goal and next year we want to go even bigger you know, we're hoping that there's a bull market so that way this conference can get as big as possible. Um, but with that being said, like we want to be as true as possible to the Bitcoin ethos and the Bitcoin counterculture. You know, that, you know, is what has made Bitcoin magazine, in our opinion. So uh, we we never forget that. We respect the plebs and, you know, we, you know, we want to we want to like always be true to BTC. So um you know, happy that we can do that. And again, like, it's just awesome seeing, like, I would say like your company is like a hyper Bitcoinization company, right? So we love seeing hyper Bitcoinization companies out there that are hoping like get Bitcoin into everyone's hands in ways that make sense for them, right? Making it easy for grandma is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, cool. Well, Dave, like, are you active on Twitter working people, uh, read more about your stuff. You mentioned uh, you did some research. Uh, where does that live? Yeah. Um, the research I think is in a blog post on our website on the blog section on bitcoinwell.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Bitcoin Brains and you can find uh, my, uh, my website as well at bitcoinbrains.com. That's something I didn't even bring up is the fact that I am, uh, I'm widely regarded as the strongest and best looking Bitcoin entrepreneur in Canada. And you can find some more information about that on my website. Um, so yeah, that, those are probably the best places to find me. Awesome. And well, everyone should uh, <clears throat> everyone should have a look at our stock. You know, we're we're traded uh, under the ticker BTCW on the uh, Toronto uh, TSX Venture Exchange, and uh, we've been on there since early August. And exciting things are coming. All right. Well, again, Bitcoin company, public Bitcoin companies offer a very interesting position. So uh, we don't have to get into that on this one. I'm sure we'll have uh, another call. But uh, Dave, thanks again for coming on to the show. Everyone go follow Bitcoin Brains. Go check out everything that 
uh, Bitcoin Well is doing. And uh, yeah, check out Bitcoin Magazine, bitcoinmagazine.com. Go check out our print magazine. We have a beautiful print magazine, the El Salvador edition that just came out for pre-orders. So uh, international pre-orders coming out. I mean, I believe they, by the time this comes out, will be out. So go and get your international pre-order, get your US-based pre-order and get your Bitcoin magazine El Salvador edition. With that, peace. Yeah.